Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Achtung, achtung. Welcome to We Have Ways of Making You Talk with me, Al Murray, James Holland. We don't do the other languages anymore, do we, Jim? No, what's going on? Well, what's basically, on? Tony used to write them for us, didn't he? With his well, you know, he's, too, he's too busy, isn't he? In the mists of time when we were given a script every week. Um, oh, on the subject of which, because we don't have a script, but um, uh, uh, we need, I, I want to make sure we get this in early. Yesterday, I went to the Imperial War Museum with a with a small person as the indoctrination begins for another yes. generation of yes. we have ways uh, I was very uh, happy to see those photos I have to victims say pointing at the Spitfire just for you James and uh, oh, well done um, she said daddy likes Spitfires too I said yeah that, yeah D- daddy does yeah, daddy but particularly likes the Mark J- 1 J- James <laughs> likes that one in the Imperial War Museum anyway um, and I bumped into <laughs> Henry, who's an officer in the Coldstream Guards. Absolutely love the podcast, by the way. You two are most uh, entertaining company. Um, and he bought my book, but he didn't know about We Have Ways Fest. So I thought, what, what we should do? Well, because he's, I think he's, in a, he's a dipper. I think he's an occasional right. listener, a dipper. And he, and he, it hadn't, it hadn't um, landed yeah, in his if, lap. If you're, if you're a one in fourer, then, yeah. then. You, you might, it exactly. just might pass you by, mightn't it? Exactly. So um, let's do a reminder. So if you go out to yeah. wehavewaysfestival.com, you will find that on the 8th to the 10th of September of this year, we are hosting our third um, annual We Have Ways of Making You Talk festival, at which you will have uh, lots of uh, olive green um, vehicles driving around, um, uh, artillery displays, uh, living history, um, uh, historians, the, the likes of which you may have heard on the podcast in recent months or in the last three years, um, and uh, all sorts of um, Second World War associated stuff. James and I will be there. The whole point is that you can, and if you've been listening to We Have Ways USA with John McManus, I think John's going to be joining us. So the people you're used to listening to will be there on panels, giving talks. The whole thing's themed around 1943, the sort of great... Um, the great mysteriously neglected year of the stories of the Second World War campaign uh, campaigns, and please do join us. You can have a. It day is a lot it. of fun. It is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's it's incredible food for thought. Always come away um, brimming with uh, uh, things you obviously need to 
uh, then go back and revisit and think about again. There's a well, bookshop. that's the point, isn't it? Because they, yeah. you know, we we get historians who are a lot better than you and I, and yeah. are very honed in on certain fields. And it's just yeah. it's just fantastic, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I mean, last year there was that amazing tour, wasn't there, with John McManus, Dan Todman, and Jonathan Fennell. and it was just completely totally gold from, from yeah. the first minute yeah. to the last yeah. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. you you kind of you're just still digesting that and thinking god that was amazing that's given me so much food for thought and then you're watching a kind of artillery display and the next minute there's the infantry with the you know operating with sherman tanks and stuff it's yeah. just it's yeah. absolutely fantastic yeah and and uh and the whole idea is also we're, we're there we're hanging out we want to meet you we want to uh say hello um, and there's, uh, there's all the usual concessions that you would find at a festival. There's a beer tent um, uh, and all that kind of thing. And it's a um, the last two were the, the, well, the first one was at the basically when the lockdowns ended and had a, a crazed demob feel. And the last one, um, <laughs> the last one felt, to be honest, more like um, uh, a festival. A, a festival, but that was also a great big kind of like friendly seminar and. Um, We'd love it if you were to join us. Um, so we have ways festival.com. Um, I, I just wanted that's really for Henry, who I met the other day, who I yep. had, you know, I had to show him the the link um in the bookshop of the Imperial War Museum. Wow, what and he bought my put my book, the dear fellow. He's very interesting. Yeah, nice. He said, We've commanded the British Army, we've got it all wrong. He says, You see the orders for a battle group these days, it's 35 pages of, of bloody nonsense. It should be two pages maximum of clearly what we ought to be doing. I said, well, yeah. what happened? I said, well, what's happened to Mission Command? He said, this is absolutely right, exactly. So we 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 hit it off. He wasn't. He didn't sound like that really. He was a much young. He was a younger, younger, younger fellow than I've made out. Anyway, we are today. We're going to talk about the strategic bombing campaign. Yeah. What well, I should background. just say just bef- yeah, just on. before we do that, <laughs> I've been in Dublin this week. Yeah. And and you might think that Dublin's got no work, Second World War connections, but of course you'd be very wrong if you thought that yeah. because because it has anyway. I hooked up with my mate Carl. He's a he's a lovely chap. He's, his grandfather yeah. was in the Sherwood Rangers, and he's a great historian of the Sherwood Rangers. He's a great collector of 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 families photos and yep. documents and you know and all the time when I was writing Brothers in Arms, you know, I'd I'd, I'd call Carl and I'd say, yep. you know, what's can you what's what's the first name of you know, bloggins, and he'd come yeah. straight back to me, and he just knows them all, and had loads of photographs and all the rest of it. Anyway, we hooked up. I went over with my son Ned, and and we 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 biffed around, and um, uh, his mate Martin took us out. It, Carl and Martin took us out on a yeah. tour of. The, he said, "Look, you yeah. know, you're stuck in the city. You know, let's let's go out and about." And um, so we went up into the Wicklow Mountains, sort of you know, huge, great, sort of bleak, windswept place of kind of sort of you know peat bogs and sort of dead bracken and snow yeah. still on the tops and all the rest of it. It's biting cold wind. Yeah. Incredibly dramatic. And anyway, we were sort of, you know, beetling around and suddenly we kind of started going down this little hit, this little mountain, round this sort of couple of hairpin bends. And then suddenly there on the corner is a German cemetery. Oh. A war cemetery. Right. It's one of the classic German wartime cemeteries. What? And it's people fished out of the Irish Sea, is it? What is it? Yeah, um, or shot down or yeah. whatever. Um, but there's also Oscar Metzger, who was a, a an agent oh. who was who was caught and took his own life in prison. Right. Wow. Absolutely. It was the most extraordinary thing. That's interesting. Oh. Yeah. Very good. And right. Mean, and right. I met someone who listened to the pod as well. Oh well, that's that's always that's always very gratifying, isn't it? Um, now, um, but we are yes. next. We are in anticipation of the 80th anniversary of the dams raids. 
which um, uh, is next month and is sort of coming upon us. Um, we're, we're, James and I are planning a little adventure um, that, that we won't tell you about, but you will find out about soon enough. But what we thought we should do um, before we go on this little adventure is really is, is put the dams raids into their context. Because one of the things about them is they sort of, they're so extraordinary. They're so amazing. The flying is so absolutely incredible. The guts of it is extraordinary. The technology is boggling. The innovation, the the whole thing, the organisation of it, that it the tends whole to Barnes Wallace of it. That it exactly, it tends to stick out a bit like a sore thumb, and and you know, in a strange way, decontextualise itself. Yeah. Um, as a result, so what we thought we would do was talk about the strategic bombing campaign, which, after all, in 1943, changes changes gear um, and t- t- turns into the thing that I think people know about, and and in, and in fact, the context that the dams raids then uh, sort of uh, uh, contrast against, or, or actually can be placed entirely within the context of, if you think of them in economic terms. But anyway, what? whatever um so jim <laughs> well well i i think the the the, the key point there and the thing that i always think is really interesting for those for those who don't you know you're aware of bomber command you're aware of the strategic air campaign we're aware of you know eight air force and memphis bell talking of which yep. we watched that as a family the other day oh, it was a, lovely it was a massive triumph it's the first time ever <laughs> that i've got all three members other members of my family to sit down and watch a war movie <laughs> and, and, and actually it went down quite well yeah, um, well done <laughs> Well, Rachel, Rachel left halfway through, but, but okay. But well, they, uh, well there, there was a, there was a moment, not, for, not a quarter of the way through, or five no. minutes in, halfway. No, well no, done. No, no. So it's very good, um, and Ned really liked it. So that was that was good. Well, um, but anyway, but there is this this, this this sense I think that that you know the, these these commands, these air forces, just sort of emerge fully formed and uh, yeah. and are daily sort of pounding cities in in Germany, and yeah. you know, of course, that's not the case. It's it's. I think that the Bomber Command and the 8th Air Force of one's mind's eye is probably kind of May or April 1944, you know, or even the autumn of 1944. It's kind of quite late on. Which, after all, um, uh, uh, Bomber Command does not reach its peak strength until then. And is in 1943 is still growing, and in fact is stuck with the same number of pilots it had in 1941. It's only able to deliver a higher tonnage of bombs because the heavies come online, and the the the, the, the switch in our a bomber command's capability um, at the start of 43 post Casablanca conference is is because the heavies are coming online. They haven't got any more people, and and their their manpower ratio um, uh, doesn't change. At this time, they're just doing they're doing more with more with because they've because they've got they're doing more with less in actual fact or, or more with the same amount because because of different aircraft. It's really, really, really. That's really interesting that and that the, the, the sort of bloom of the industrial effort and the bloom of the um, training uh, effort doesn't come into play until, as you say, Jim, until really post D-Day really post overlord that that comes online in full um by yep. which time of course sort of the 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 the, the railway tracks have been laid for how strategic bombing is going to go yeah and and they're going to they're they're damn well going to stick stick to those tracks aren't they which is the yeah. interesting thing whereas in early 43 things are much more much more actually much more up in the air aren't they because yeah when you look at the you know the directive from the Casablanca conference is all is does say 
we're going to do what we can as best we can, you know, uh, to, to, to disrupt the German war effort. But then it also says, and we're going to, and we're going to do some tactical bombing, bomb submarine bases, yep. uh, attack Berlin to keep the Russians happy, Italy yep. when we can do it, uh, you know, German naval vessels, and full support when the Allies re-enter the continent. So it's all, so it's actually, although the strategic bombing campaign does come of the Casablanca conference, the sort of, the, 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 the things agreed on are actually pretty vague. And it's the two air forces that run with what they want, what they want to do from that, because it's a policy statement, really, rather than a rather than a doctrine or actual actual decision making. It's very, very the, the conclusions of Casablanca are very, very interesting because basically the two air forces think, right, okay, now's our opportunity. We're gonna to have to run with the ball right now as best we can, because otherwise yep. they're going they're going to shut us down. Politicians are gonna shut us down. Yep. I, I think it's absolutely fascinating, uh, but also I think it's utterly fascinating that that directive comes as a result of the Casablanca Conference, which is in yep. January 1943. I mean, what's yep. been going on since 1940? And it's interesting because that comes, <laughs> the, the wording is is sent to Harris from yep. Air Vice Marshal Bottomley, who is the Assistant Chief of the Air Staff Ops, yep. um, and it says... Your prime objective will be the progressive destruction and dislocation of the German military, industrial and economic system and the undermining of the morale of the German people to a point yeah. where their capacity for armed resistance is fatally weakened. So yeah. much play has been made on the latter bit, the kind of sort of breaking of morale. Harris personally never saw morale as a big thing. You know, he thought, whatever, you know, if, if their morale breaks, great. But that's not the point here. The point is, is is to make it very, very difficult for them to carry on, impossible, in fact, to yeah. carry on the war. And obviously, yeah. you know, morale is important, but 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 in a way it isn't. What is important is the more houses you destroy, the more yeah. people you kill, the more workforce you kill, the more the more rubble in the streets, the more electrical systems that are knocked out, the the, the water yeah. supplies, the, the 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 white coal as it's known, yeah. it, that is that is destroyed and then can't be used for industrial processes. The harder it comes for the Germans to um, prosecute the war and. Yeah. and Anyone other than the Nazis I sus or the Japanese, I suspect this this, this would have been effective a lot more, um, well, well, more completely and a lot earlier. And what his plan, and he says what he's going to do is is devastate one city a month and damage three badly uh, until September 43. So, because Essen is the example he uses. So yeah. he says, this means six cities Essenized and another 18 badly knocked about. Taking cities more or less at random from last year's chief targets, this might work out as follows. Devastated, Hamburg counted as two by virtue of its size. Bremen, Duisburg, Wilhelmshaven, and Kiel. Right, so those are those are very much military industrial complex targets. There's no no other way of looking at those places really. Badly hit Berlin, Bochum, Kassel, Munich, Nuremberg, Dusseldorf, Cologne, Leipzig, Hanover, Stuttgart, Gelsenkirchen, Brunswick, Emden, Frankfurt, Mannheim, Magdeburg, Dortmund, and Essen. That's a a, a list of a list of places that you, if you're trying to stymie a war effort, you'd attack. And also there's Berlin in there to, to sort of entertain the Russian or Soviet demands uh, for action against, you know, the German heartland. It's very interesting. And then, you know, Portal, Portal in November 42 presents the chief of staff a prediction that in 18 months, Bomber Command will kill 900,000 Germans, seriously injure another million, destroy 6 million homes and de-house 25 million people. 
Yeah, I don't suppose he was far off that either. I, well, this this is what's interesting, isn't it? Is that is that it it, it it's that strange thing of seeing the plan, seeing it laid out, seeing the intention, and there's no like, oh, ought we do this or not? There's no there's no sort of. Um, fingernail biting in any of this it's like right well this is what we're going to do we're going to no 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 it's, it's, it's this is my point that there's always been this sort of you know that this this idea that sort of britain's full of of sort of barnes wallace types with, with sort of big hair and kind of sort of yeah. ill-fitting suits and sort of slightly professorish and donish um uh, uh, and sort of mr chumley warners but actually yep. the the beating heart of 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 britain's war effort is one of utter total ruthlessness yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and you know yeah. no one should be in in any doubt well, about that at, at an air ministry meeting in march 43 bufton is asked by the american representative what's bomber command trying to do is your objective to kill germans cause them expend man hours to expend man hours or was it to do some specific damage to certain installations and bufton sort of goes it's a law apparently there's an awkward pause and he goes well you know it's to neutralize german man hours because the because they know that the americans don't want to hear that it's about because the the American attitude is slightly different, although in the end it amounts well, to the same. But Bufton, same Bufton thing. is a is a very very interesting character, and we should yeah. we should come back to him in a minute. But but I think what we should do is just go, go back a little, you know, rewind well, yes, the clock let's a little look, bit. Yeah, why is because, why because, is this happening in forty three? So because so, yeah. the, the bottom line is the all out strategic air offensive by bomber command against Nazi Germany does not begin until the night of the fifth sixth of March nineteen forty three. Yeah. Yeah, and I always, I always kind of think that's that's really really interesting because again, it sort of I, I suspect it goes against the grain of what the vast majority of people who know just a little bit about, you know, the bomber war, um, think, you know, and, and that does beg the question: Well, what what's been going on since September nineteen thirty nine? And and the truth of the matter is, and you know, from September nineteen thirty nine to the night of the fifteenth sixteenth mm. of, of May, you know, people were not dropping bombs on bomber command was not dropping bombs on any german targets at all and they, dro- yeah. they dropped some leaflets on wilhelmshaven um yeah. but but that was about it and then it was the you know one of the main reasons why they weren't was because the french were worried about retaliations <laughs> and um uh, and you know we were allies and you know you have to have an agreed policy and all the rest of it yeah so it wasn't until the night of the 15th or 16th of may that actually um bomber command went over and, and attacked for the first time the problem was, was in the start of the war, you know, we didn't have four-engine bombers. Um, we had two-engine bombers. Payloads were pretty small. Um, and there weren't very many of them. It was about, you know, 400 aircraft, something like that, in, mm-hmm. in Bomber Command, 400 bombers. And they're, you know, the Hamptons, Whitleys. You know, there are some Wellingtons, which are very, very good. They have this sort of incredible de- geodetic design, which is sort of like lattice work, fuselage. And, and that wings, is Barnes Wallace. That is Barnes Wallace, uh, which, which makes them incredibly robust. So they can, you know, they're, it's an incredibly strong airframe. Uh, which is obviously very much to its credit. But, um, you know, these were navigational aids were absolutely um, in their infancy at this stage compared to what was going to happen within the next sort of few years. Yeah. And for the most part, navigation depended on um, dead reckoning, um, yeah. you know, pencil lines drawn on, you know, working out what the wind speed is, pencil lines, you know, time, um, speed, airspeed, putting that all into a mix, working out a route, and then, you know, by X time, you should be over the target. But, of course, you know, 
it's Europe, it's lots of cloud. Um, you try doing it by daylight, it doesn't really work. So therefore you have to do it by nighttime, then you're dependent on the moon. It's, you know, it's, it's incredibly difficult to be accurate. And so all the all the kind of the doomsayers before the war in the 1930s, you know, the, the Duhay, you know, Julio Duhays and all the various others who would say the bomber would get through and there'd be kind of, you know, air alarm again. At this stage of the war, we're, we're just simply not not correct. Um, th- there were some anomalies like Coventry and things like that, and, and Liverpool in, in first part of May nineteen forty one, things like that. And there was there was some bad hits on on London and so on, and Portsmouth and other cities in in Britain. But for the most part, and the, and the Germans are dealing with similar issues, aren't they? In that they haven't absolutely. they haven't planned for a strategic offensive. No, nope. not really. Not really. They've sort of they found themselves doing it. They have, they do have a navigation laid, um, uh, uh, with excavate and all that stuff, don't they? They, they do yeah. have, they have thought about that, um, but but their bombers, they're light air, you know, light bombers. They're not, they're not running heavies. So yeah. nav- their problems are navigation, uh, um, accuracy, uh, accuracy, uh, payload. actual d- payload delivery to target. So so it's it's as if. It's it's as if the the Germans are are showing all the lessons that you need to learn in in yeah. strategic bombing, and also, but also, uh, 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 they're not as challenged as the British are because if you want to bomb Germany, it's that much further than if you're bombing London from France or London from or Liverpool from the Lowlands or or from France. You know, the the distances, the navigational challenges are that much greater. You know, yeah. due to it's boring things like the curvature of the earth uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. and that sort of stuff. But it's interesting because the Germans are the Germans are sort of showing what happens if you do a strategic bombing campaign when you haven't really thought about it particularly hard. Yeah. But they're also showing also there's little glimmers of light about what can be achieved yeah. when when you do get it right. And Coventry is an absolute case in point where there's a, a breeze that night, a decent, you know, notable wind that night, the moon is out. Uh, yeah. You can see there's a gap between the bomber waves, there's incendiaries first, a target is a largely wooden kind of, you know, uh, a medieval city. Um, so you set the incendiaries yeah. down first, then you drop a whole load of heavy, you know, of, of heavy ordnance. You have yeah. a gap between the two so that that overwhelms the fire services down below. Um, you you fan the flames because you've got a wind coming. You know, the end result destroyed city. You know, and that's that's you know it is of of, of course the British observers you know appalled, disgusted, horrified, all the rest of it, but are also going ah that's the way to do it. Yeah, you know, learning those lessons, and you know, three years later when when it's it's Hamburg's time, that's exactly the same conditions. You know, yeah. when Dresden's hit in in, in February nineteen forty five. Exactly the same conditions: the moon, the breeze, the yeah. incendiaries, the, the the staged attacks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That is how to destroy yeah. an old city, and and it's incredibly effective. But that lesson has been learned by bomber command the hard way, but but shown by the Luftwaffe. But it's interesting because in the, in the there's a night in the Blitz in in the autumn of 1940 where um, the deputy chief of the air staff is standing on the roof of the air ministry and he's talking to. Um, Air Chief Marshal Charles Portal, who has just taken yeah. over as, um, as as Chief of the Air Staff, and he tur- he sees the, the the fires in the East End, and he turns to Portal and says, "Well, they're sowing the wind." <laughs> and of course, the Deputy Chief of the Air Staff at that time is uh, Vice Marshal, as he was at that point, um, Arthur Harris. Yeah, and he is later given bomber command in February 1942. So it's quite a big gap, you know, that's sort of, you know, yeah. a year and a half or whatever. And 
it's interesting with Harris because you know he's 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 the kind of the bogeyman in a way. Um, he's become the kind of sort of figure of you know the statue over which red paint is thrown and all the rest mm. of it and seen as a big murderer. But but and there's no question that he's an absolute advocate of 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 heavy bombing of German cities. But it's not his, you know, that's not his directive. He's not the one who's calling the tunes. That is very much Portal and the and the chiefs of the air staff and the war cabinet and everybody else. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, they're all going, this is this is what we need to do. But when he takes over in February 1942, Bomber Command is in absolute crisis because things haven't really progressed until that time between 1940 and, and the start of 1942. And one of the reasons for that is because when... Um, Lord Beaverbrook takes over the Ministry of Aircraft Production on the 17th of May 1940. He immediately says, okay, we've got to deal with the crisis right now. And the crisis right now is we don't own enough aircraft. So we need to shut down everything else and just produce five aircraft. And they're going to be the Hampton, the Wellington, and the Blenheim, and the Hurricane and the Spitfire. Everything else has to stop. So that delays the, the, the four-engine program, which is already underway. It delays the uh, Mosquito, for example. Yeah, uh, and the four engine program is from is from nineteen thirty. The spec, the, the specification, um, thirteen thirty six is is from is from nineteen thirty six for um for it is for the twin engine bomber, yep. and then they move the they move they move the spec up to a four engine bomber with a late with a later with a later specification. So they've yep. been thinking about getting this kind of aircraft online. It's been the yep. it's been the long term plan that what you do is bomb German industry. It's just everything gets derailed by the strategic earthquake of 1940. We come back We come back to the thing, new listeners may not be familiar with that term, but it's basically the idea that everything changes. All bets are off in May 1940 how yeah. you're going to prosecute the war. Everything is diverted from the from the long-term plan. The long-term plan is, is you will eventually have four-engine bombers coming online and they're, they're not online because as you say, Beaverbrook Switches everything to fighter defence. Basically, well, what's what's really interesting is is Vickers come up with a with a four engine heavy bomber which yep. can fly at forty thousand feet. It's going to have pressurised cop- cockpit. It's going to fly over three hundred miles an hour, and it's going to be able to take um, um, twelve tons. Mm. Mm. The the Vickers Windsor. Yes, that's um, right. Finally, gets ordered properly uh, uh, on Air Ministry spec three forty two, B three forty two, and you know one is built. Um, but but ultimately they don't go into production with it because by the time it's it would have been ready it would have been nineteen forty four forty five and you've got a Lancaster and yeah. you know the disruption and all the rest of it, it sort of looks like a, it looks like a Sunderland without the float it's a big ugly sausage yeah it's a big ugly 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 duckling but 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 yeah. well big ugly goose but yeah. but unquestionably would have been would have been amazing I mean <clears throat> R J Mitchell when he dies is is working on a on a four-engine heavy bomber that can fly over 300 miles an hour. That's right. Um, and, and, you know, his big USP was his ability to guess and gauge the speed of an aircraft. And so, you know, unquestionably, I'm sure it would have done. Yeah. Be that yeah. as it may, what it, what it means is is the catch-up period post-Battle of Britain is is it takes time. Yeah. Uh, and it takes time to, uh, to absorb all these lessons. You know, for, so for the summer of 1941... From the summer of 1940, you know, you're not even at a year from the end of the Battle of Britain and the start of the yeah. Blitz. So that sounds like quite a long time, but it isn't actually. It, mm. it's, it's quite a small a small period of time. And it's not as if they've been standing still. You know, I'm banging on about the cavity magnetron, but, you know, things like that have been developed. They've been put in place. There are developments with night fighters because that's the most pressing e- need because you've got the Blitz. 
Well, the other lesson that's been displayed by the Germans is you can't do this during daylight hours. If if anyone if anyone's got a um, a half efficient fighter system or decent fighters, you can't do strategic bombing during during daylight hours. And the the RAF learned this lesson in the in you know with their tactical bombing attempts and and strategic bombing attempts in the summer of 1940 that daylight daylight and and bombing do not mix yep and the the germans have shown the advantages as you say coventry is a very good example of if you use the night properly what 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 you can do and the 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 lesson of the battle of britain is if you have a fighter defense system the bomber will not always get through during daytime and it has to be at nighttime so that's the other thing that bomber command have really taken to heart which then comes later in the strategic bombing campaign to be a bone of contention between the USAF and the and the RAF as to, you know, and Churchill, in fact, tries to convince the Americans that they need to go nighttime as well. And the, the Americans haven't uh, had the example of the Battle of Britain of, of how disastrous daylight bombing can be. Or rather think they've solved, rather think they've solved the problem later on. I mean, it's, it, 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 it is interesting because, as you say, 1941 is, is really... You know, Battle of Britain, the, the the London Blitz is still going in the spring of 1941. So the summer of 1941 is no time at all post um, Battle of Britain, is it? it no, we, not we, at all. But 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 the flip side of it, the the consequences of it, it's not flip side. The consequences of all this are suddenly you've got to think, okay, well we're now going to have to do most of our our operations at night. So that that brings in a whole level of of a whole issues, other set, other set of problems, yeah, of, of yeah. problems to overcome that haven't yeah. been overcome. In the middle of 1941. Yeah. You've then got the problem because the um, effort has been on these five aircraft and, and particularly just saving Britain, so, so fighters yeah. defending Britain first and foremost. That means you've got a shortage of bombers. You've then got to train up all these crews and you've got yeah. to train them. And also what they're discovering is that the, the, the bomber command is a very, very dangerous business to be in. So they're losing a lot of crews. Yeah. So you can't just click your fingers and suddenly magic all these crews up. You then also realize that if you're going to build heavy bombers, you also need airfields that have proper runways. Yeah. Because if you've got a heavy bomber of X number of tons and then you're going to lay it up with another kind of, you know, four to eight tons as well, you know, that's not going to work in winter on a mud mud airfield, on a grass airfield. It just isn't. You know, you so you need then you need concrete runways. All that takes time. Then there's the advent of the Americans coming in. So they also yep. need runways because they've already got heavy bombers. They've got the B-17 and the B-24. Yeah. So all this sets back. So if you just look at the Bomber Command War Diaries, for example, and you take a random date in 1941. So the night of the 13th, 14th of October, 1941, Dusseldorf, 53 Wellingtons, seven short Sterlings. Yeah. So 60 bombers. Yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah. Next night. 14th, 15th of October, Nuremberg, 80 aircraft, 58 Wellington, 13 Whitleys, five Halifaxes, and four Sterling. So nine four-engine bombers out of yep. 80. Then the next night, 20, 15th, 16th of October, Cologne, 27 Wellingtons, seven Sterlings. I mean, it, it's pretty small beer. Well, it's 16th, 17th of October, Duisburg, 87 aircraft, 47. You know, Wellingtons are doing the heavy loading. So 21st, 21st of October, 1941, Bremen, 153 aircraft. So the point is that that raids of 800 aircraft, they just ain't happening in 1941. But there is this, there is this mounting feeling 
throughout 1941, particularly in the summer of 1941, where those at the air ministry, those in the war cabinet, those in the chiefs of staff are looking at the effort of bomber command and thinking, jeepers, you know, look at our losses. They're absolutely horrific. How much damage are 83 Wellingtons and four Sterlings going to do? You know, and and we're looking at the we're looking at the photos here, and I'm not seeing a whole load of damage. Well, and they're thinking, and the caches they still the, the checks they still want us to write that um uh for this future campaign, and they can't get this off, they can't get it off the ground. I mean, the, 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 it becomes it becomes very clear politically that 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 this, that this isn't is diff- working. It's not what well, and it's a, and it's a difficult option to back if you're. You know, if you're make after all, every every single decision, strategic decision, is an opportunity cost decision. You know what you're spending on this, you could be spending on something else, and them's the right. breaks with how you, with how you make these decisions. And so, you know, if because at this point, forty one, early forty two, you still don't have a Lancaster. Um, uh, no, first flight. Don't... First flight is early night January nineteen forty ninth of January, I think nineteen forty one. But but it doesn't become operational until February nineteen forty two. Yeah. Exactly. So you don't have you don't have the the, the sort of an aircraft that's that, that, right. that actually can deliver what you want. No, exactly at all. So so in the summer of 1941, you know Churchill's going well. You know we've we've backed this horse. We've backed the bombing. You know the yeah. bomb will always get through. That's the language we've all grown up with in the 1930s. That's the one yeah. that everyone has accepted. You know we've still got the ruins of Coventry, but you know the returns for the effort so far are not are not paying. You know, I think let's let's try and be a bit more scientific about this. And yeah. so he goes to his scientific advisor, uh, Professor Lin, um, Lindemann, who's Lord yeah. Charwell, and says, I think we need a to look at this. Can you can you actually grind down on this and 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 have a look at the figures and and tell me, you know, what what is reality compared with claims of the bomber crews? Yeah. And this is the infamous Butt Report, which examines mm. six hundred aerial photographs of bomber damage taken the day after raids. Yeah. And what they discover is that very, very little is is actually hitting. And no more than a third of all the bombs that are dropped are hitting within five miles yeah. of the target. Yeah. You know, and that that is just not accurate at all. Yeah. And so the second half of 1941, there is a there is a sort of malaise which is 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 gripping bomber command in terms of morale because the losses are so horrific. There's a malaise at the very top. Oh, you know, maybe we've backed yeah. the wrong horse here and this is not the way forward. What are we going to do? But but the RAF is not going to throw in the towel with bombing just yet. Not least because they know that, you know, from the winter of 1941, December 1941 onwards, the Americans are involved. And they also are very aware that the Americans are massive bomber advocates and have their yeah. heavy bombers. And they're about to come online. So it's like, well, hang on a minute. You know, we've got the Americans coming. Um, we need to give us another throw of the dice. But what we need is someone in charge who's going to absolutely be on message, deliver this, come up with decent plans yeah. and transform the fortunes of, of yeah. bomber command. And of course, that man is... Is is Arthur Harris who takes yeah. over bomber command in 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 February 1942, just as the Lancaster is coming into into service. Yeah. Interestingly, first of all, with 44 Squadron, which is Rhodesia Squadron, um, and there is a reason for this, and that is because Harris, although an Englishman, has served in the first Rhodesian Rifles, I think it was, yeah, um, back in the First World War. Um, has also during that period has has 
done a 500 mile march across the Kalahari and decided that he's never ever going to walk again if he doesn't have to. <laughs> so having having sort of escaped that particular ordeal, gets himself over to England, promptly joins the RFC, the Royal Flying Corps, and stays in the Royal Flying yeah. Corps and then the RAF forevermore. But you know, he's a very very interesting character. I think. I mean, it's worth saying that the 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 the, the, the butt report. Um, uh, really does lay it bare to, to Harris what 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 needs doing, and, and although Portal's quite defensive about about it, sort of says, "Ah, oh, well, you know, the methodology's not right. We did hit there. We did do this and do that." Yeah, because he has to be defensive. I mean, in August of forty one, Bomber Command lose, lose five hundred and twenty five aircraft destroyed or severely damaged. I mean, that's. I mean, that's almost your entire force. Exactly. Yeah, and it's a, a wastage rate of uh, um of thirteen percent. Right, including including accidents, they only get one hundred and six replacements. So, you know, the 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 thing it just isn't isn't joined up at, or, or gripped at this point. They uh, the following three months, a further five hundred seventy five aircraft are written off. Thirty percent losses on Berlin raids, and Berlin raids are purely political. There's no there's no one fooling themselves that they're they're damaging the German war effort by at- attacking Berlin. The, 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 they're they're doing that to 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 show the Soviets that to show the Soviets willing. I mean, it's it's so he he has a he has a heck of a thing to inherit. Um, we should take a break, although we're way too far in for taking a break. But there we go. We'll take a break. We'll be back in a second. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. He was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? (laughs) Well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to We Have Ways of Making You Talk with me, I'm Marion James Holland. And we just we've just sort of basically laid out the 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 issues facing 
uh, Arthur Harris when he when he takes over at Bomber Command. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because the Richard Pierce is the uh, there's a there's another predecessor to to Harris yeah. who is 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 Jack Baldwin who has it for about a month, less than a month, yeah, yeah, um, bit more than a month, like six weeks or something before before Harris takes over. But Richard Pierce um, has it from October 1940 to um, 8th of January 1942, and he yeah. addresses this private audience in London in I think it's October 1941. And he says, you know, people think that we're being terribly careful and, you know, we're, we're trying to bomb specific targets. Let me re- uh, assure you that we have absolutely no scruples whatsoever and we're, our business is killing as many Germans as possible. Oh, and that is, that's, that is directly in response to the Butt Report. So this is, okay, so we're not hitting very accurately. So let's not try and hit targets. Let's do what we can. But, it's, you know, we, we're down this course of bombers. When there, there can be no return. That is what we're going to do. And it's very interesting because when when Harris takes over in February 19, 1942, he he absolutely is on board with that, that premise. Yeah. But he also knows that you do need to hit the Krupp works, that you do need yeah. to hit industries, that you, you know, it's all very well destroying houses and, and, and killing Germans, but it needs to be more than that. But at the same time, area bombing, because we can only do what we can do with the tools we've got, area bombing is the way forward for the moment. But what he also recognises is that he has these huge problems. You know, it's getting the right aircraft, it's getting enough aircraft, um, and a, a, a massively improving navigation. And all those things are kind of out of his hands. You know, he can influence, he can say, this is what I want. But ultimately, it's it's the people at the Ministry of Aircraft Production, it's the people at the Air Ministry, it's, it's the boffins that he's dependent on. Mm. So what he's got to do, his first challenge when taking over in February 1942 is to transform the morale of Bomber Command as an absolute priority but also transform the impression of Bomber Command in the public at large. Yeah. So what can I do that's going to kind of achieve those goals with what I've got now? Yeah. And so one of his early, early ideas is the Thousand Bomber Raid. And, and again, you know, we were talking about the ruthlessness of British commanders. You know, that is a ruthless, really tough call. Yeah. But he makes it, and the only way you can get to a thousand bombers in one night, you know, when you think that sort of six months before you're talking about eighty-seven, sixty-three, yeah. hundred and twenty-one, yeah. you know, is by scouring all the uh, all the operational training units, training schools, all the rest of it, and just going right, you're off tonight. I know this is not ideal, but you haven't finished your training. There's, you know, the reason they haven't finished their training is because they're not ready. Yeah. To be flying operations, but for this one night they're just going to anyway. It's it's a it's a single roll of the dice, you know, risk all, just go for it. Yeah. yeah. But it works. And yeah. and you know, just over a thousand do go and bomb Cologne and enough get there to cause well, I mean, this, a huge amount in, of damage. And- this is interesting, isn't it? Because because um very often it's said of the you know, the Soviet way of doing things that quantity has a quality of its own certainly strategic bombing quantity has a quality of its own doesn't it because you over the idea is you overwhelm enemy defenses you 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 put too many bombers over the target for the germans to be able to actually do anything meaningful about you may i mean you know on these raids you're losing as many bombers as you were committing to those penny packet raids actually uh, uh, you know, you're, you're 47 sterlings over here or whatever. You're, the, 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 
the losses you're taking um, are amplified, but your effect is amplified because because quality has has its own quantity in this instance. And that's that's quite interesting, isn't it? Harris Harris knows that there's 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 a you know there's a there's a critical mass to the way you to the way you deliver strategic bombing, which is after all why in the end you end up you know it's about bang for your buck why you end up you know relying on a Lancaster which can carry uh 14,000 pounds of bombs as opposed to uh, uh, uh you know i mean famously it's the B17 isn't it that's the that's a four engine bomber that can can lift a third of the bombs or roughly a third well, of the bombs that the Lancaster can yeah. um and he he knows Harris Harris knows that a lot of this is about mass i mean i think it's very very interesting that he sort of embarked on the same path that the army are embarked on. In, yeah, in that's a really good point. 1942. The army, you know, I need me generals who fight. The army doesn't have it, doesn't have its equipment lined up properly in 1942. It's got the bright ideas. It knows it. it, it it's it's seen what the Germans have done in 1940-41. It's it's thought, okay, we need to bring in. You know, we need to we need to modernize. We need to mobilize. We need to join up our radio communications. We need to figure out how we how we actually deal with um, armored incursion and all that sort of stuff. And morale is central to how on earth we then make join those things up and make them work. And the training is key to morale. Equipment is tr- key to training. You know, the, 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 that Mobius strip of of you know, if the guys believe in the equipment and the equipment is good, then then their morale will go up and you'll. You, they're easier yep. to persuade to send on terribly dangerous things like air raids, and and that Harris is Harris is performing some of the same functions that are going on in the army in 1942. He's he's yep. taken on a similar role to a lot of the people who end up, you know, who end up staying on for the duration in big command roles in the army. It's interesting that 42 is the year where, you know, those pennies are dropping. Yeah. And yeah. The, Harris is the sort of character and personal strength to not be deterred by um, what a what a shit sandwich he's been given. You know the lousy situation he's inherited, yeah, and the and some of the some of the poor decision making that's preceded him. And I think that's very interesting that it's that the, the, the curve the curve is similar. And I, and I know, you know, the army starts winning at the end of forty two, or at least in or at least in the. Western half of the world, the army starts winning in, in 42. Let's leave, let's leave, let's leave uh, Eastern theatres out of this. But, but it's interesting that the RAF, that, that they're undergoing, a, they're undergoing similar things. And Harris, I think, you know, the, the, I think it's a really good point. Really Harris good point. really cares about his crews. And I think, I think, and he really cares about training. And, and, you know, we've often said, oh, one of the things that people sort of, Poo poo the likes of Montgomery. Oh, Montgomery was a great trainer of men. Well, terrific. <laughs> That's because he knows if his men are well trained, he can get them to do what he needs them to do strategically. If yep. your men, if you're if you're not tactically coherent, and the only way of fixing that is through training and massaging morale as best you can. If you're not tactically coherent, you'll never be strategically coherent. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, what what is it? Klaus's tactics is the noise. Good tactics is the noise. Tactics without strategy is just noise before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Yeah, or, or is that, that Sun Tzu? It, 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 you know, these are ancient I mean, Sun Tzu. lessons. But but, Sun Tzu. But, but 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 Harris knows the same thing that the army the army is uh, you know getting its head round in 1942. That you need 
And it's because he cares. And the thing is, is yes, he cares about his mission. And so that's the thing that people get, that the, the, it's the reason people tip blood on his statue. So he cares about the mission and his mission in the end, one way or another is killing German civilians, one way or another. You know, you could call it dehousing. You can say it's aimed at industry. But in the end, you know, if you kill the man that makes the rifle, the rifle never gets to the front, you know, which is also Philip's Pest O'Brien's way of looking looking at all this. This is a completely 360 degree strategy. But he also but but Harris Harris knows that the way to do that is to really, really care about his crews and to really put his crews at the center of of the of, of his thinking. Because if you do that, you can get them to do what you want them want want to do. You know, it, it it's and it's probably purely utilitarian thinking. How do I get the squeeze the maximum out of the lemon I've been handed? And Bobber Command is a lemon when he takes it over. How do I get the maximum juice out of this lemon? Well, by caring, you know, it's 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 again, uh, perhaps he is a psychopath, but he's one that makes great show of caring well, it's about. Very his interesting. Crews. He's a very he's a very very interesting character because you know when he's a, when he's at home at Springfields, which is his house near High Wycombe, which is where yeah. Bomber Command headquarters is. Um, you know, by all accounts, he was a total laugh. I mean, you know, he was yeah. he was life and soul, liked a good gag, you know, um, uh, brilliant on the anecdotes, really hearty. Loads of people stayed with him. You know, all the Americans came over, Spots and Co. and Acre and but you, Doolittle. But, you, but Jim, you can hear someone go, yeah, well, tell that to the people at Dresden. Oh, he liked to laugh, did he? You know, yeah, you know but, what I mean. You know no, what no, I mean. No, but but he was very doer when he got to yeah. bomber command, and then he was kind of totally on it, totally focused. You know, yeah. taciturn, gruff, all the rest of it. So he had these kind of sort of you know sort of two types of his his character. I mean, his point was, you know, we didn't start the war. We've got to get rid of it. We've got to stop the war as quickly as possible. Save, you know, we want to save as many lives as possible, but ultimately we want to yeah. save our own lives first, of our own country and our yeah. own interests, which is basically what anyone who's ever fought a war would would agree with. Yeah. Um, and the sooner we can stop it, the better. And this is what I believe is the best way to win the war as quickly as possible for the least loss of lives to yeah. our own. Yeah. And it's a very simple equation. The moment the Germans throw in the towel, we'll stop bombing their cities and getting their citizens. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's also an absurdity to saying on one level, which says it's perfectly okay to shoot um, a conscript who's been shoved into a, um, into a uniform and given a rifle. That's okay. But a, a citizen of the same country who who is against the war as the person who's been given the uniform and the rifle. Yeah. Why is one a legitimate target and the other one not? This is, this is, I mean, funnily enough, this is a, the conversation I ended up having at the garrison um, uh, artillery volunteers dinner with the chap I was sat next to, who's a, who's a, uh, a lawyer who was, we were discussing, we were discussing in the end where, where, where is the line drawn in this, in this set of circumstances? Well, just because someone's got a rifle, it doesn't mean to say there are any, any keener yeah. to be fighting or or yeah. any better at fighting. Yeah. Um yeah. but but you know, but be that I mean, you know, I'm not here to kind of, you know, morally defend Ten Harris or whatever. That's not my point. But my point is 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 it's it's a nuanced issue. Yeah. And you've got to do what you know, his his you can argue the toss about Harris, but I'm, this is how he's coming at it. He is coming at it from the perspective is these are the tools we've got. We've got to make the best fist of it we possibly can. You know, we're, we're facing a, a, a massive threat to yeah. the future of the world, to the future of Britain, to British citizens. This is a tool which, it, it, and there is no question about it, that, that this is a better use of, of, you're getting more bang for your buck in terms of manpower using bombers than you are using well, armies. In a heavy bomber, you have the equivalent of an infantry section. Not even that. Well, exactly. People in a Lancaster, seven exactly. against ten. 
Exactly. I mean, you've spent a lot more on training them. You've spent far more money on training them. Yep. You've spent far more money on the piece of equipment they're in. But if they if they hit the if they hit the target, they they will have they will I mean boldly they will kill more people and arguably damage the German war effort more than a a section a of section infantry. of ten yeah hundred percent and also it's worth pointing out that to keep, to keep a seven man crew in a Lancaster in the air you need forty eight on the ground okay and that does not include. <laughs> Clerks and paymasters and quartermasters. That is just ground crew. Uh, and that is 48 ground crew that are not going to be in danger or, yeah. or very unlikely to be in danger. Yeah. So that is a very effective and efficient way of using your manpower. It's mm. it's it's tough luck if you're in the in the bomber crew. You know, yeah. we all know that kind of nearly 50% in bomber command didn't make it back. You know, yeah. were killed during, yeah. during the second. It's a huge number, you know, nearly 50%. But as a proportion, it's well. It's, I was just going to say, I wonder, I wonder what the actual equation is in terms of destructive power, spend, people, loss between an between infantrymen, bomber crew. You know uh, uh, what? What? Ha- I wonder how you would draw that equation up. And in the end, surely someone, someone number crunched it in the war office that that even at a fifty percent casualty rate, you're getting better. And even at what a Lancaster bomber costs, what the crew costs to train, you're yep. still getting more out of those men. Yeah. And with all the and with all the ground crew, you're still getting more out of those people than you are out of the equivalent in the army. I wonder. I wonder. I yeah, wonder how. I, the, don't know. I wonder how that equation works. I mean, that's a that that's a thing to that's a thing to scratch. Well, my 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 back of a fag packet equation would be that 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 bomber command would definitely win that particular scrap. You know what I've experienced of studying infantry um, divisions and units in the Second yeah. World War. You know they yeah. get a pretty bad deal of it, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, 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 but 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 to get back to 1942, so he's got this. You know, how, how do you transform bomber command? So on the one hand, he's got to keep the whole show on the gro- on, going. He's got to improve yeah. its perception in the wider public. So to yeah. the, the thousand. Bomber raid on the night of the 30th, 31st of May against Cologne. Absolutely achieves that. I think 1,047 take off. I think something like 890 actually do bomb Cologne. Something like yeah. 47 don't, or 43 don't come back, which, you know, excuse me, things is pretty good, good, good return, but it's obviously quite expensive and you don't want to be yeah. doing this trick very often. They do it three times, then do it yeah. again in the autumn of 1940, 40, um, 42. Um, so you've got to do that. And that gets massive. Headlines all over the free world, all over Britain. Everyone sees it. Suddenly, you know, Bomber Command's PR is in the ascendancy once again. So that's a massive, massive tick. He's also trying to kind of work out how how to do things. And there is pressure to try again on a low-level raid, you know, low-level daylight raid, um, which is the Augsburg raid. Um, uh, this is Operation Margin on the, uh, on the 17th of April, daylight in the mm-hmm. afternoon. 12 Lancasters, six from 44 Squadron, six from 97 Squadron, 12 in all, um, led by um, Wing Commander John Nettleton. Uh, and I actually interviewed, I was lucky to interview his his co-pilot that day, a chap called Pat Dorhill, who I think mm. he was in 44 Squadron. And, um, you know, the, the principle behind it was, it's very difficult for a fighter plane to shoot down a, a Lancaster flying at, you know, 200 Shut miles down. an hour, yeah. you know, at, at rooftops. But, you know, that was really, really shown up to be a very, very false assumption because only five made it back. Oh, and obviously, 
that's just not sustainable. And actually, they did cause quite a lot of damage. The target was the man diesel plants in Augsburg. And, and, and you know, on one level, it was successful, but on another level, it absolutely wasn't. And, you know, you can, you can kiss goodbye to kind of daylight raids for a very, very long yeah. time. So, yes, it's still going to be nighttime operations in a bomber stream. So this is idea not operating in formations. You just take off and over you go and you send ahead people with flares and they drop the flares and that's your markers for everybody yeah. else. And you you aim on that and you just hope that the clouds clear when you get over the target. And, and, and if you don't, well, just drop them anyway, um, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And that, you know, that's 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 the principle. But it's also about trying to grow numbers, and of course, one of the other things is is not only is the Lancaster coming in, into into line and coming off the production um, lines, also so are aircrew because of the Empire yeah. Air Training Scheme, which is being carried out in in what is then Rhodesia, now Zimbabwe, South Africa, Canada, um, United States. This idea that you you you're going somewhere where, where you're not going to be interrupted by the Luftwaffe, no one's going to get in your way, you can just fly every single day because the clouds are clear. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a huge advantage that the Luftwaffe don't have. Um, uh, and so you send off air crew to go. And that the, the fruits of that are starting to really come in in the second yeah. half of 1942. So his force is starting to grow. And then there's the final thing, which is, is, is navigation aids. Well, in 1942, you've got G coming in, which is GEE, which is a sort of it's a sort of um, it's a radar pulse thing. So it's bouncing back off three mm ground stations in in the uk and then you measure the distance and and you know if you work it out from these three ground stations then you should be able to work out where you are it's not particularly accurate the range isn't isn't particularly great but you know the ruhr in the west of germany the industrial heartlands about as yeah. far as you can use it and the germans prove that they can jam it comparatively easily yeah. but by the beginning of 1943 two new things are coming on board the first is oboe which is a kind of um a a step up from g can't be jammed by the germans greater range uh, more effective more accurate it still means you can't quite do sort of blind flying at night but it's a a huge improvement and then the next thing which is really decent and really really makes a huge difference is h2s which is home sweet home as it's known and this is this is the first effective ground mapping radar it is of course you know pretty crude but but very advanced by 1943 standards and all that is coming into being at the beginning of 1943 yeah. and lots of and lots of countermeasures as well so you're you're jamming freya you're um yes you, you exactly you're, that you've got the flare system called wanganui which the germans called christmas yeah. tree lights that's right uh, 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 um and and the 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 techniques are being being perfected you know you've got tinsel mandrel um yep. uh moniker boozer and all these yep. all these sort of tweaks and uh, yeah. uh, you know ecm things and of course as ever with this is the minute you minute you deploy one you announce its um existence to the enemy and you know a, cra- a crashed uh, h2s set is is recovered the germans figure out what it is figure out how to interfere with it but h2s h2s is really the is the is the i mean it's the reason the Hamburg raid is so successful, along with Window, which is also yep. a jamming thing, because H two S Window being the little tinsel of tinfoil tinsel, that you, you scatter it's cut out. To the, it's cut to the wavelength of the of the radar, so that that the idea is it creates this great big echo. But but H two S H two S you get a flat it, it it reflects clean or flat surfaces, so water. So basically, you can you you can line up on rivers and water features like canals and the obviously the coastline. And know pretty much exactly where you are because it it, it offers you a, a relief map of yep. the ground below you, and and as as a, as as a navigational aid, on top of oboe and G, it becomes it means that they're actually able pretty much to fly to where they 
where they're trying to trying to get to. Yeah, and these and are- so the, so the thing about oboe is is that oboe, the oboe system it's actually two stations in the UK rather than yeah. rather than three that you have with G. The problem about this is it can't cope with with more than six aircraft in one hour, one sixty minute period, sending back pulses from the aircraft. So that you know that means you can't send over four hundred Lancasters and Halifaxes and Stirlings, and and they all have they all have oboe. But what you can do is you can send ahead mosquitoes, who are the doing the marking and this is the pathfinder force and harris yeah. was initially in summer of 1942 very resistant to to the notions of the pathfinder force because he didn't want it being a kind of a, an elite squadron he thought that was a bad idea but yeah. but he was actually outmaneuvered on that by sydney bufton who's um the um deputy um head of operations bombing operations at the air ministry is only a, a group captain at the time mm. um mm. and and Bufton goes in above Harris and goes to the very top, goes to people like sort of Wilfred Freeman and people. Yeah. And and, and gets and gets the Pathfinder force through. And actually, again, you know, the good thing about Harris is is that he can be stubborn as a mule about things, but when he's overruled, he takes it on the chin and goes, okay, fine. Uh, and actually, he later embraced and refined and 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 improved the Pathfinder force. And actually, what it meant was by the time the oboe came in at the beginning of, you know, end of 1942, beginning of 1943, you've actually got a force which can use it very effectively. So the Pathfinder force equipped with mosquitoes and also equipped with oboe are going ahead of the bomber stream and laying out the markers and using oboe to help them get to the right target and then laying out the, the flares and all the rest of it. And it's not a question of, of, of doing parachute flares anymore. It's, it's sending flares that incendiaries down onto the ground so they, they burn on the ground. So you're absolutely dropping them, you know, much closer to the to the pickle barrel, as the Americans would yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it it. The, uh, so this is what's going on. <laughs> the spring because the, the strategic bomb offensive, and, and and you know, Harris says this to an army audience, doesn't he? It doesn't really start until March 1943. No, that's where, that's where we, it takes off seriously. No, and he's very and, good about managing people's expectations. He said, yeah, you know, yeah, when yeah. he takes over, he says, "I'll take over," but. This is going to take me a year to get yeah. this into shape. So yeah. don't expect miracles first up. You know, we'll, we'll improve so, the morale, we'll improve the, the PR of, of the, the standing of Bomber Command, but do not expect to win the war in 1942 with Bomber so, so in which case, and, and after all, the reason we've been talking about this for the last hour or so, and I knew when we said we were going to do strategic bombing campaign background, it, um, of, that we'd be of, talking um, for a one hour and four minutes uh, at least. Of, of, uh, in, or, in order to be able to talk about the dams raid, that this would, that this is ex- what's happened this morning is exactly what I knew would happen. We were discussing it in emails. But it's really it. interesting. No, but what it does, I think, is it recontextualizes the dams raid. The dams raid is two months after the start of the strategic bombing campaign, right? So it's not a product of. Of Harris's strategic bombing campaign, maybe we maybe we can create that context rather than the strategic bombing campaign. Let's let's say of of, of Harris's new you know newly forged bomber command that he's turned into the 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 weapon he's trying to wield. So it's not that the dams raid is the byproduct of three years of failure, right? No, of it three absolutely years is of, not. Three it's, years it, of bomber it, command you, banging its head against the, against a brick wall. It, you, you, I don't think you can see it like that because you just can't. You absolutely which, can't. Which is well, so which because it's what that's one of the charges against it, isn't it? Is it's a it's a it's it's a desperate roll of dice 
that that's come about because things no. haven't been working out. If, if people think that they're they're they're, they're barking yeah, up that, the wrong tree, but that is one of the things that gets said about it, right? Yeah, and it's nonsense, right? So, um, Panacea Industrial Targets, which is after all the you know Panacea Targets, the, the, the campaign that 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 Harris has set out to run has been ordered to run is about destroying German industrial capacity. Now that involves killing people, make make no make, uh, killing civilians, make no mistake. But that's the that's their objective. And do you do it by hitting factories or do you do it by hitting the houses that the factory workers live in or simply by doing what the damnedest to disrupt their lives? Well, you do it by doing all three because after all, they're all the, they all amount to the same thing, bombing cities, if we're blunt about it. So the bomb, the dams raid fits the context of trying to destroy German industrial capacity perfectly. So in that regard, it doesn't stand out from the from the campaign that Harris has been ordered to conduct either. So those first two, the two those first two charges that are leveled leveled against it don't add up. The third charge is that it's pointless. It doesn't disrupt the German war effort. Blah well, blah blah. I think which we can is, get which, that one into touch. Well, no, but Jim, but that's an but that's an amplification of the charge against the strategic bombing campaign in the first place, isn't yeah. it? Didn't really work. Didn't divert German effort. Not yeah. really. Didn't have the effect it was advertised yeah. to deliver. And I think it's very. I think it's very hard to argue that. Well, in which case, why is forty percent, forty five percent of German industrial production um, yeah. by nineteen forty four based around building fighter defence? Yeah. Why? Why? If you're not if you're not bothered about the effect of the strategic bombing campaign either politically or economically why are you doing so much to defend against it to the point where it's distorted your industrial effort right yep. what you need is tanks what you need yeah. is you know strategic bombers arguably if you're the germans yeah, yeah. but you're not building those because you're churning out as many fighters as you can because you're worried about the strategic bombing campaign so so the third charge that it's ineffectual you know and you you've argued that well, how much concrete do they have to divert from the Atlantic War? How many? How much well, labour? Cost of it. It's cost of it, and you know, it's just the whole. Yeah. And why? Why are they in such a rush to repair the dams if the dams don't matter? You know, that's the key bit. And that—that that after all, you know, that—that—that—that surely that's the biggest tell in the German response to the. I think um, so. To the dams raid that, that you could possibly have. So, so those three, those three, those three sort of charges against the dams raid that they don't, they don't. They, they don't reflect Harris's policy. They're that the, they're ineffective. And then the, the first one, which is that it's a sort of desperate PR attempt to show that the strategic bombing campaign is actually working, when in fact it's only been going a couple of months, and so no one knows if it's working or not. And so it's 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 actually yeah. Part I, I of think a- I think the, the 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 big point here is 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 you kind of the, the dams rate is much more on message than people think. But yeah. you kind of need to park the dam's rage as a total anom- anomaly, and, and and it has nothing to do with the work that Harris has been doing in the previous fourteen months since taking over. Yeah. It's 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 a it's a totally separate beast, all of its own. You know, we'll go into this in a in a later podcast why Harris was against it. But I, I'm yeah. totally sympathetic to his stance. Yeah. I have to say, yeah. you yeah. know, it's, it seems absolutely madcap. Um, you know, he's just got to the situation there. The last thing he wants is a diversion of precious resources, yeah. some of his best men, some of his best aircraft, to something which, you know, on paper, you would have to say has zero chance of of success. 
But that's yeah. just park that thought but, for the moment. But the, just, the key for me is that here we are in April 2023. It's 80 years ago, really, since the start of the Battle of the Ruhr, which is the start of the all-out offensive. And the first attack is the night of the 5th, 6th of March, 1943, against Essen. 442 aircraft, 157 Lancasters, 131 Wellingtons. So still plenty of Wellingtons in bomber command in the first part of 1943. Oh, yeah. yeah. 94 Halifaxes, 52 Stirlings, 8 Mosquitoes. And it was on this night, the bomber command's 100,000th sortie of the war was flown. So 14 aircraft lost, but the, the, the effects were, were, were pretty impressive. Yeah. 160 acres of destruction, 53 separate buildings within the Krupp works hit. You know, quite happy with that. Yeah. Pretty good. Um, 3,118 houses destroyed. Just think yeah. what 3,000 houses looks like. Yeah. That's a lot of houses. Yeah, yeah. A further 2,166 seriously damaged. So that's over 5,000 buildings destroyed or seriously damaged. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, between 457, 482 killed, you know, which actually isn't in the big scheme of things. It's not it's a lot, but it's not that high. You know, what that tells you is that most of those bombs are falling on the right, actually on yeah. targets that, they need to fall on you know yeah. industrial targets so that's that's announcing your new offensive with a pretty big punch frankly yeah and so yeah. it continues in the days that follow and and, and on into you know and on Jim, into I mean, you, in, into april you know that uh, um low level daylight raid that, the augsburg you know, raid yeah augsburg it shows that also harris is trying things he's no, he's, he's not still... a closed book. He's not a closed book. Exactly, which is why, which is why, again, Harris resists the dam's raid. You know, blah blah blah, which is again part of the story. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think a lot of people their first contact with the dam's raid will not have been Max's book or your book or mm. Paul Brickhill's book, but the film. You know, which is the absolute elephant in the room in the in the in the historiography of this of this raid, and. Uh, uh, you know, the, the truth is, as you say, he's not a closed book. He is trying stuff. He is looking for ways that mean you don't need to send lots of crew to their deaths because because he's he's still not flesh. He's a morale guy because he knows that morale is the way you prosecute campaigns effectively. And and in the end, if you can, if you can do it with a handful of lengths rather than um, tons. It might just—you never know. It might just work. It might be the way of doing things. So, so that—that—that—that's the interesting thing. You know, the the, the, the yeah. thing about the dams raid. The dams raids need recontextualizing in 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 the bomber camp command campaign and wrenching away from the way they're viewed as a result of the really as a result of the film, which is you know, which is chaps banging their fists on desks and spilling teacups, saying, "I really ought, we really ought to try it," and you're being aren't you being pig-headed resisting? You know that that that. The, well, and the other is thing is, a, is, a, is the introduction of the of the Pathfinder Force, which you know, again, he's very reluctant against to start yeah. off with, but gets outmaneuvered by Bufton, much to his fury. But once yeah. it's in place, he embraces it, and and I think you know that's very much to his credit. You know, he, yeah. you know, I don't want to kind of sort of 
steal our own sandwiches when it comes to dams rape. Yeah. But, you know, he's very, very against the dams rape for yeah. incredibly good reasons. Yeah. yeah. But once he's given the order from Portal, it's going to happen uh, and embrace it and get on with it. He gives it every possible help he can because yeah. once it's happening, there's no point in being difficult about it because yeah. it's we've got it now. So so let's yeah. try and give it the best possible shot we can, and the best possible shot it can can have is by supporting it and giving it all yeah. all help it can possibly have and and he does that and i think it's interesting but you know because harris is such a sort of vilified figure and yet it's kind of hard to fault him in 1942 in the first part of 1943 i think i think he's you know he's he shows signs of stubbornness and 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 so signs of being a little bit of a closed book at times but but most of 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 his approach is spot on most of it is is reasonable, and I think he's got a very good point. I, you know, again, I I go back to the kind of the back of the fag packet kind of um, arithmetic. Mm. I, I do think, as in terms of kind of use of manpower, bomber command is pretty good compared to kind of having vast armies of three hundred infantry divisions who then get slaughtered. You know, it's yeah. fascinating when you kind of looking at you know obviously being all this Italy stuff. You know, you look at the German sixty fifth infantry division, which is just completely destroyed. Yeah, because it's not very good. It's not properly trained. They don't want to be there. They're given kind of mixed messages. They're used in penny packets. All that kind of stuff completely misapplied. That is not a good use of manpower. No. But having right. having having a team of of fifty five people to get a to get a, a, a Lancaster in the air, of which forty eight are not in the air, you can't argue with that, can you? I mean that that sounds like a great a great use of time. Well, there we go. Um, thanks everyone for listening. We hope that uh, we've kicked that ball around enough for your enjoyment. Um, we will we will see you all again very soon. Once Jim and I have been to the dams, that's what we're going to be doing. Um, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Cheerio.